0: Welcome to Women's Wave, a podcast dedicated to defining, inspiring, and sustaining the authentic femme. I'm one of your hosts today, Eleanor Lucille, and this is Season 2, Episode 4. So we're doing things a little bit different today. This episode will not have a guest Usually we do have somebody come in and talk about a theme, but today's theme is what had happened was. And essentially each of us, uh, myself and the other three women in the collective will be going through a story in which we were confronted with an issue upon our own volition and how did we grow from that situation? What did we learn? I think it's very important for everybody to be self reflective in this aspect at least once a year, uh, or you can wait for that moment. You know, sometimes you do hit rock bottom, and the only place to go is up. And I definitely have had that experience in my life. Uh, I'm going to take you way back and share my what it happened was starting back in 2011. And this is what happened. And this is what I learned. So I don't know if this is still a thing with college graduates, but I graduated in a terrible time. I graduated college in 2010. And it was really hard for a lot of students to find jobs. We all called it the postgraduate blues. And maybe uh, there's a listener out there who is currently experiencing postgraduate blues or knows that is coming soon for them. And I just want to express how important it is to just keep calm and carry on. Sorry to sound cliche, but you really do need to be calm there's some situations that you cannot prepare for and you never know what's going to happen I mean you can prepare you could navigate for the next step but oftentimes you're so caught up in what college is we don't do that and uh, I'm I'm one of those students you know I <laughs> had kind of by force, my major changed because my original program um, was removed from my school. Uh, But I just kind of was that kind of student. I was playing a lot of things by ear. I had planned to do all this traveling before I settled down on my career. And a year out of graduation, I was still living in downtown Riverside only because I graduated from UC Riverside. I at this point in the story 2011 all my friends had moved away so I was primarily hanging out with acquaintances people that didn't really know me or have good interests in hanging out with me or positive interests for me it was all um you know negative intentions people are just trying to drown their sorrows or escape and that's not always the best thing for you. I was losing focus and track of the path that was truly best for me. And so uh, I, in 2011, had one of those nights where what had happened was I was hanging out with that usual crowd and I got a DUI out of my own volition. I (laughs) went from the party got dropped back off at my car in Riverside. The party was in uh, Redlands and I was just failing. I, it was one of those nights where it was a Pisces birthday party. And the thing is like Pisces always roll deep. There's three Pisces from my high school who are having a birthday party in Redlands. I, walked into that situation also being a pisces so it was free drinks all night because hey girl plus i had not seen a lot of these people in years for a reason they're not they just weren't meant to be in my life they're about that life getting drunk in redlands you know doing the most in one night because that's all that that uh, they were living for at that moment myself as well and because i was going through it and I really needed that slap to push myself in another direction and getting my DUI was that slap. Now, the lesson here, obviously, is don't drink and drive, but I needed that night in jail to really think about who I was surrounding myself with. I Not that I was not blaming myself, but I was also looking at the people that were giving me these drinks. and. Allowing me to get so, not that it's any of your friends' jobs to be your mom in your life, but goddamn, I was fucked up. I was fucked up, and I had no business driving. Uh, so, let's be. If you if you want to be the bigger person in that situation, just take your homie's keys. Someone should have really taken my keys that night. Um No one was harmed, but I did get a DUI, spent a night in jail, and after that. I lost my job. I was teaching uh, English to ESL students, and I was also an algebra tutor, always on that multi-hustle. And in the state of California, you cannot work with children and have a misdemeanor on your record. So, bam, no job, no boyfriend, which is probably why I was going so crazy. I was single for the first time in four years, just out of college, and I was lost. Straight up, I was lost. And it took over a year for myself to admit that it took me and, and true friends to pull me out of that environment fast forward to a few months later my friends uh from college we all met up in a on a getaway I let them know how I was doing and they're like girl they saw it you're hurting and how can we help so um one of my friends from college to who her sister had an extra room on the West side in LA, uh, was like, you need to move in with her. She's, she needs someone. You need someone, you guys, this is perfect. And it was, uh, I'm, I'm still friends with her today and she's one of my, my really good friends. And, uh, if it wasn't for my friends, my true friends uh, kind of pulling me out, I don't know. I probably would have been still hurting in, In Riverside, the IE, the IE life. Everyone in the IE has that DUI because that's the suburbia drama. You know, you go out and you don't take an Uber. You you're like, well, I I drive everywhere. This is a driving town. You think you got it, and you you don't. Like so, I I lost it. I I had lost my driving privileges for some time from that, and I was so hard on myself. I couldn't believe this was the point in my life. And once I moved to LA. I refused to turn back I really started reflecting on what had happened what how did I get there and what had happened was I had no one in my life to check me I wasn't checking myself I was just go 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 and even though LA life is a little more fast-paced I in my head had an opportunity to slow down because I didn't have all those acquaintances around. My friends that were around were people that actually knew me. And so you got to be careful. Uh, Don't drink and drive. Don't, uh, Don't try to, you know, take on, don't try to mend your sorrows with things that are toxic to you. I think I was just taking on A lot in my environment to distract myself from my loss I and what I lost were the stability of being in college and that security of my previous relationship I was going through it but I came out of it and because of all that those bad things that happened I moved to LA and then everything is a domino effect from there from my first job to people I met to people that i live with now it was just because there was so much more in la i was networking i was able to create my music out there and and the environment was just way more supportive of someone becoming someone versus in suburbia you know it's okay to have that life but i'm not sure it was the most supportive environment for me because I wasn't trying to to do that. I wasn't trying to, um, you know, be in that cycle of of drive this car, go to work. Um, that's and there wasn't a lot of employment opportunities either in the Inland Empire, so um, it sucked that I hit that very expensive rock bottom point in my life. But I'm grateful because it led to bigger and better things. So another point is when you're going through the hard parts, remind yourself that it's hard in that moment, but that's not the end of the story and better things probably will come from it. Most of the time, if you're low and at the bottom, you could only go up, so never lose faith in that. I had to learn how to have faith in myself, and Los Angeles taught me that. Uh, and so yeah, it was awesome. Like, losing my job, losing the person that I was living with at the time, I, you know, I was letting go of more than just that. I was letting go of a version of myself that wasn't focused, wasn't healthy, and thrown into the battlefield like uh, Los Angeles is way more competitive so you got to be on it and something just turned on after a couple of years I I went through a mourning process of my relationship which is another episode but uh, I finally learned to love myself and it took over a year of being single (laughs) and it took a lot of writing and a lot of musical expression to just kind of gather my thoughts and put it in a little package for myself to say here you deserve this you deserve to forgive yourself it's really hard to forgive yourself too it's not an overnight thing it was a process for me and the lesson is fear forgive yourself let go of the fear let go of the what ifs and once you cross that line you open up your intuition to so much other uh, option you can you can start connecting again you're connecting with a better real more authentic part of yourself when you forgive yourself and you're not letting yourself be held back by things that you can't change you can't change your past but you can change your future so that was my what had happened was i got a DUI, and so i ended up in la and everything, I can just, it's all a domino effect. I could just keep going and going because of that, because of that, because of that. I'm here right now talking to you. And I wouldn't have even had the opportunity to be here if I did lose hope, if I did just give up, if I just stuck it out and, you know, became a waitress or something in the ie until my um dui was off my record and because i moved to la i met a great person i started working for a law firm and i got to essentially expunge my dui for free which is v-rare but if you do need a dui expungement hit a girl up because i got the connect better start god.com shout out to that <laughs> anyways same shameless self-promotion uh Great things happen when you surround yourself with the probability of more opportunity and that's what uh, Los Angeles was versus the probability of less opportunity and more toxicity, which is what I had in the Inland Empire. I'm not saying that everyone in the IE has that, but, you know, you got to really explore your options. So that's me in a nutshell for today. And I really want to push this mode of self-reflection. I need to do it more often because this, I forgot, you know, how I got here. And This really pushed me and sparked me to revisit that version and then, bam, realize, because I'm kind of going through it right now, too. And it's okay to go through it. That's good. That means you're recognizing you need to the fact that you need to grow or that you are growing. And sometimes you outgrow people, sometimes you outgrow a job. Sometimes and that's okay. Uh, as long as you recognize it and only move forward. So with that, we're gonna move forward. And I'm really excited to present Gillesque. She's gonna be leading you with the mixes between each host's what it happened was. So enjoy.
1: I'm not the girl at a party. The other night, when it all fell down, everyone was having fun. So I just stayed on the But when I started falling
2: much for tuning in to Women's Wave. I am so excited to introduce this new segment, What Had Happened Was, and I'm a little nervous to get into my What Had Happened Was, because What Had Happened Was, I almost cheated on my former boyfriend. So, make it very clear for the record, before we start, I'm not talking about my current relationship, babe, just in case you're listening, you ain't got nothing to worry about, boo, I ain't going nowhere you don't want. But... In the past, I have almost committed that infraction of infidelity. And so I'm gonna get into what happened. Let's just start where the story goes left. So I'm at a party with some friends and I go to use the restroom and I run into one of my guy friends. And I'm trying to get into the restroom and he's not leaving. And I'm like, What are you doing? Get out of the way. I need to pee. And he's like, do you really want me to leave? All intoxicated and super drunk. And I'm like, yeah, bye. So he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, bro, get out of the bathroom. So I can tell you wanted me to like, you could just, you know, when you just get the vibe, someone just wants you. So it was weird. I pee. And then he starts to text me. Mind you, he's there with his girl. Let's just add that little sauce to the tea, okay? He's there with his girl, and he starts to text me, not everything is what it seems. It's not all what it looks like. All the pictures look so happy, but that ain't what it is, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I got a man at home at this time in my life, and I'm like, you know, you're drunk. Delete all these text messages. Take yourself home. It's time to go to bed Have someone take you home. Have your girlfriend that you're with take you home. Just bye. So the next time I see him, I'm like, hey, are we going to talk about what happened? Or are we just going to pretend like it didn't happen? Whatever works for you works for me. Sweeping it under the rug, I ain't got no problem with that, homie, because I got a man. I don't need to open Pandora's box. And He looks up at me, and his eyes get all red, and they start to well up, and I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to cry. So of course, being a friend, I listen, and he's at this place in his relationship where they've reached a climax, and he's been given an ultimatum, and she wants more, and he's not sure if he's ready, and you know, that stuff that relationships hit. They hit that that seven-year itch, that three-year mark, that one-year anniversary, whatever it is. Every relationship goes through that phase where it's like, okay, we've been together this long and we're still in the same place that we were all this time. We haven't really done anything. Are you wasting my time or are we about to do this? So what's what's next? Or if you are at that place where you've already married, then you reach that that climax when it's time to have kids, right? Like, all right, homie, are we going to make a family or are you just trying to stare at each other for the rest of our lives? So he was at one of those plateaus, and he wasn't sure if he was ready for the next step, and she was totally ready, and it was a very angry situation at this point. And so, being the friend, I started to share the issues that I was experiencing in my own relationship. Now, I wasn't going through the plateau situation. I was going through the situation of like, you know what, I love this person, but I'm not in love with this person. And I care about this person, but not enough to sacrifice myself. And it's time for me to move on, but I don't know how, because this person loves me so much. This person is definitely in love with me, and I'm not necessarily in love with that person. And it had gotten to the point where My affection wasn't even the same. Um, It had gotten to the point where I just wasn't even caring to communicate or spend time or, you know, I was really trying to figure out how to distance myself little by little. And I confided that in him. And that's where we opened up the can of worms. So my friend and I started spending a lot more time with each other, started communicating a lot more and... The reason I knew that it was wrong was because I was hiding those communications. We were only communicating at times that we knew that we weren't going to be with our significant others. That is a red flag, ladies and ladies, because this is a ladies' podcast. But gentlemen, if you're listening, it's a red flag. It, it really, truly is a red flag when you have to hide the conversation, Um And sometimes, you know, the other side of the phone is a little bit disrespectful, and you can't control what people uh, express to you, but you can definitely control how you respond, and you can definitely draw the line. Like, okay, you feel that way, but I don't, and I'm in a relationship, and just chill. So, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be those words. You don't have to be this, like, straightforward asshole, but you do need to draw the line in the sand. And anyway, clearly I drew no lines, right? We were in the sandbox together. And in spending more time with each other, this lasted about six months, this whole thing. And I do want to clarify that I never physically cheated on my boyfriend. I never, ever, ever physically disrespected what we had but I definitely emotionally disrespected what we had I definitely emotionally cheated and for the record this is a person that I will always care for and wish the best for and send nothing but positivity for and I hope that he is blessed with even more than I could ever hope and wish for him He is a wonderful person it is my past That chapter is closed, and there is nothing but love, respect, and hopefulness there. So, back to the time I almost cheated on him. (laughs) Um, We had been spending a lot of time together, my friend and I. We had been communicating a lot, my friend and I. And over the course of six months, his feelings for me started to grow, And I was moving into the direction of, I need to be alone. I need to figure myself out. I need to let 17 people take me on a date 17 days in a row. I need to go here. I need to travel. I need to figure myself out. I need to party. I needed to just be single woman. And I did not make that very clear to this gentleman that I was having an emotional affair, if you will, with And so he started to develop feelings for me. And that really did stroke my ego. Because the relationship I was in at the time was with someone who didn't necessarily have his shit together. And this guy totally had his shit together from the outside looking in at least. And it stroked my ego. And so I played both sides. I tried to figure out how to slowly distance myself from the man I was with, and I let this other guy stroke my ego. And I definitely felt very powerful, not in a in, not in a dark and twisty way, but it just was what I needed to actually take that leap to be alone. And so I broke up with my boyfriend and my friend took it like I was breaking up with him so that he and I could be together. And it totally was not that. So here I am single for a few weeks and this guy comes like, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to tell all the people that we care about that we're together now? And I'm like, whoa, 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 that is so not the plan. My friend, you need to go figure out your relationship and I need to go soak my wild oats and live it up and be crazy. This is not okay. And I realized that I not only emotionally cheated on my boyfriend, but I also led this guy on and it was just this tangled web that I weaved. It was a snowball effect. I didn't know how to get into it. And so that is the short version of how I emotionally cheated, almost physically cheated on my boyfriend. And I have just said all that to say that if any of you are in this situation, it does not make you a terrible person, but you do need to knock it off and figure it out. I definitely do not condone cheating at all, but based on my own experience, I definitely understand it better now. I get how it happens. And I'm not talking about being a hoe and just sleeping with everybody while you have somebody because you have a sexual addiction or an immaturity that requires validation through objectification of yourself. That's a personal issue. You need to go to therapy, figure that out. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about emotional cheating, an affair, and I know that affair is typically reserved for marriages, but with the way things are these days, these long-term relationships where we're living together and basically making a life without the certificate, I still consider it an affair. And so if you are having an emotional affair, I understand how that happens. And in those sorts of emotional affairs that often turn into physical affairs, nine out of ten times The person who is being cheated on and the person doing the cheating are both responsible parties for how the relationship even got to that point of distance and drifting and infidelity. Now, of course, the cheater takes the brunt of it and most of the blame, absolutely, but there are two parties involved in every relationship and if you have enough distance for your partner to have a whole nother life, you got to check yourself. Um And I definitely had to check myself because I was creating distance and also playing with fire in that distance. I was absolutely totally wrong. But again, ladies, if you've ever cheated, been a cheater, been cheated on, this is just a new perspective, an experience from someone who does not condone cheating at all. Um, that being said, I do hope that if you feel like you've made a mistake and you do want to be with the person that you're with and you're not looking to move on at all, that you find the strength to tell the truth. And I hope that your partner has the capacity to forgive you and that you guys have the patience and the love necessary for rebuilding that relationship. If your partner chooses not to take you back and not to move forward with the relationship, I do hope that they have the capacity to forgive you and just move on in peace. Time heals everything, ladies and gentlemen. And time also brings a new level of maturity and a new level of understanding and healing within because I've definitely reached the point where I forgave myself for being a terrible asshole of a person. Am I proud of what I did? No. But am I human? Yes. Do I forgive myself? Yes. In the end, did I ultimately toe the line enough that I didn't fuck everything up too badly? Sure. And that's probably why it's a little bit easier for me to forgive myself. But for anyone who's taken it all the way, don't make it a habit. Just be honest. Learn the lesson. Move forward. And truthfully, what it came down to was me needing to be honest with myself about what I needed and what I wanted. And it truly, truly came down to me needing to love myself enough to know what I wanted out of a partner and out of a man and out of a relationship. And me just needing to be honest enough with myself so that I could have been honest with him to say, this is not working. Otherwise, I would have never committed any infraction at all. I would have never even come close to that infidelity had I loved him. Hurt people hurt people. And I was hurting because of so many things that I had gone through, not just in that relationship, but just as a woman, childhood traumas that we carry into our love life and I just needed to be honest with myself. So if you find yourself struggling with some sort of cheating or emotional cheating or need for validation outside of your relationship, I challenge you to look within. I challenge you to love yourself. I challenge you to be honest with yourself. It's okay to take space. It's okay to walk away from a good thing because if it's not for you, it's not the right thing. And so that is all. What had happened was I almost physically cheated on my boyfriend and I definitely emotionally cheated on my boyfriend and I am forever spreading the lesson and the message that it's okay to make a mistake. It's not okay to repeat the mistake. And again, just for the purpose of clarity, I'm not talking about my current relationship. Boo, I love you. Thank you for all you do for me and for us and all you do for yourself because you're always evolving and growing and becoming a better man. And honestly, ladies and gentlemen, when you let go of what is not meant for you and what is not good for you, life provides a space for the right person to come along. It's corny, but it's true. And so peace and love to all. Thank you, ladies, so much for always riding the wave with us. And I hope that what had happened was you made the right choice.
1: Your mom's I'm
3: This is Yes, and I am um, going to be giving you my What Had Happened Was, um, which ends up being a grand lesson for me, and I hope that you ladies can take um, something from what I have learned from this experience. Um, So, what had happened was, (laughs) your girl was academically dismissed for a semester from rcc yep riverside community college your girl was dismissed from community college for getting bad grades okay so that probably sounds a little weird to you especially because i work at usc so that's that just kind of may not make sense but let me take you back let me take you back to after high school and kind of give you the lowdown and and let you know what i've learned and, and what's happened to me and hopefully y'all can learn learn from it and um you know make some good decisions and, and know that whatever choices you made and mistakes you made in the past they don't define you or make who you become in the future so what happened was um I graduated high school um I applied to a bunch of Cal States got into a few of them I think I got into most of them to be honest with you because I had pretty good grades in high school, I think I had like a 3.4 GPA, something like that. I was always remaining, you know, maintaining a A and B average, pretty good kid, um, athletic, you know, always in sports, extracurricular activities. I was about that life. It was fun. It was great. So then I get into college and um, I'm sup- I'm kind of set to go to Cal San Bernardino. I didn't really want to go there because it was close to home, but I was like, whatever, fuck it. But what happened was that I didn't really know how to fill out my FAFSA. I didn't really know how to register for classes. I was just like in the dark and I didn't really have anybody who was there to guide me. I was like I had mentioned in the past, my parents are immigrants. I am the oldest sibling and I kind of had to figure it out myself. And I just didn't get out there, ask questions and advocate for myself. I really didn't because I was young, naive and, and me as a person, I just didn't. I'm not, I wasn't a person who would just go out there and seek, seek that information and ask lots of questions because, you know, I, I want, I, it was kind of maybe a pride thing or maybe also because I thought I should know because it seemed like everybody should know those, those answers, but I, I didn't know those answers and so. Um, because of that I ended up not going to Cal State San Bernardino and what happened was that I ended up at RCC so I ended up there the second week of school I enrolled and I actually had to sit into classes I had to sit into classes because school had already started the the week prior and so all the classes were full I had to sit there and I had to hope that these teachers would add me into their classes and because I was low-key a or ride-or-die, I would just stay there and be like, you know, I'm I'm going a, I'm to a stay here and you're going to freaking add me. Um, they were like, cool, you know, you're doing the work, right? We'll add you. They added me like week three or something like that. That's crazy. So, getting to community college, made new friends, just like fucking around, you know, not caring, not taking school seriously because I'm at a community college and you know, it's just, like, the beginning, and it's my first taste of kind of being adult and kind of not really having that much responsibility because now I don't have to be at school all day. Like, in high school, you kind of just have a few classes, and then you, you go home. Started working, working at Abercrombie & Fitch at Ontario Mills. Yeah, that was one of those girls. Um, and so I was just kind of, like, fucking around. Um then I started working at Staples Warehouse, and and then later on, I worked at Granger Warehouse, um, and that was because I had a car payment. You know, I wanted a car. That was something important to me, and so my focus was really not in school. My focus was on my little boyfriend that was actually my high school boyfriend. He was still in high school when I graduated. He was a year younger than me, so that was like drama, um, you know, not giving a crap about schoolwork, all that good stuff. Um, and so I was just not about that life, but I knew that like I wanted to go to school and finish school eventually because I was just a personal goal of mine was to prove to myself that I can do this thing, which is obtain my bachelor's degree. So <sighs> I was put on academic probation for getting bad grades for messing around. And that was truly truly a, a slap in the face for me because I was always a smart kid. I always did what I had to do, but how did how did I get this, you know, to this place where I was actually academically dismissed? It was embarrassing. That semester was a spring semester and I actually didn't tell my parents that I was academically dismissed. I just kinda told them I'm taking a break from school for a semester. I'll be back next semester. Just let me work. You know, I was working at Granger, I believe, at that time. So I was like, you know what? Just let me work. Let me do my thing. You know, I'll get back to it. I promise you I'm going to go back to school. Little did they know that I had to like sign some papers and say that I'm going to get on, get back on track. And so when I went back to school in summer school, I made, um, I made a promise to myself. I made a promise to myself that I would not fail any more classes, that I would go see a counselor and figure out exactly what classes I needed in order to get out of that school and into a university. And that's exactly what I did. So I was academically dismissed a spring semester. I was out that whole semester, came back summer, completed that, completed fall, completed another spring semester, and then I graduated. I graduated with my associate's degree. I ended up getting a random associate associate's degree because I had taken so many random ass classes that I ended up with an associate's in, uh, I don't know, I think it was like communications and communications languages and media or something random like that just because I took a bunch of Spanish classes it was just crazy sociology classes just random stuff so that's what happened and so from there I was like all right you know I'm getting some confidence I want to do better I want to be a better person in the sense of you know not being one of the statistics that a Latina that just ends up not finishing school You know, I had that pressure on myself from my parents, but I also had that pressure from myself because it was something important to me to show to other people that you could do it. So what happened was I I graduated, um, I applied for a few other schools to transfer to, I ended up at Cal State San Bernardino, I didn't get into Fullerton, and the good thing about that was actually that San Bernardino offered me to start um, in the winter semester versus the the spring semester. So I got to start a semester early. And then when I got there, I made another promise to myself. I said, this time around, you're only going to be getting A's and B's. Screw passing a class. You're past that. You, you can do that. You're only going to get A's and B's now. And now you're going to graduate in two years time. This is, this is it. So I made that promise to myself and you know what? I kept that promise. I made sure that I graduated on time I made sure that I took the classes that I needed nothing more nothing less and I got my financial aid straight had to take out some loans had to do what I had to do but I truly 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 I truly enjoyed my time at Kelsey's Humberdino was fun Um, I didn't really party or do any of that stuff I kind of just kept to myself, I was working as an instructional aide for uh, Rialto Unified School District, so I worked part-time, I went to school, made a few friends, went to the gym, because that's included in your tuition, you better, you know, make sure that you're taking advantage of that if you go to college, Um, and just had a good time, I really enjoyed going to school and proving to myself that, yo, I could do this, you know, even a few semesters getting straight A's, it was, it was tight, it was, it was awesome, it was an amazing feeling to prove to myself, like, hey, you got this, and I think, you know, I, so I graduated, two years time, graduated with my bachelor's in sociology, um, with a concentration in social work, um, and you know what, I think that this, this happening, this happening for me, just really, you know, Gave me this understanding that your past mistakes don't define you and you shouldn't be ashamed of the things that have happened in your past because you know what you just didn't have that perspective you just may have been immature and not ready for that and just naive and you know it, it taught me to be a voice for myself it taught me to advocate for myself to ask questions it taught me to value my education, to not take for granted my education. And I think that's why there's such a big connection with me in education and, and you know, when I worked with children with autism and, and now working with um, MSW students at um, USC, that's why I think I am where I am at this particular moment and why education is so, you know, it's just intertwined in my life in so many ways. It's because I took it for granted and I learned how important education was for me. Um, And you know what? I was like a stupid little girl who didn't know what she was doing, but that's okay. That's cool. I'm not gonna let that make me feel stupid anymore. I'm not gonna not share the story anymore. Cause you know what? I just didn't know any better. I had a job that I was juggling. You know, I had to go to to school and I had to go to work. That was the expectation my parents set for me because they thought that making money was also important in addition to just going to school. They didn't they didn't think that that was you know they didn't think they oh just go to school. No, you need you need money because we can't support you. So I just think that. You know if you want to go to school or whatever it is that you want to do um don't give up on that if that's something that you truly want to do you know it's not easy but you can do it you know ask questions set up times to go see your counselor get informed don't waste your time don't waste your money and and ask those questions so that you don't have the same the same experience that i did where I wasted time. I really wasted time, and I wasted money. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it was tougher for me. And and don't get me wrong, though, it was worth it. But it, but just don't make those those same mistakes. Learn from others, and and do what you want. Ask for help when you need to, need to ask for help. But you know, do what it is that that makes you feel good, that builds your confidence, because. I'm telling you, when I when I talk about education, I will say that getting my associate's degree was harder than getting my bachelor's and my master's. Because at least when I got here, I already knew what the hell I was doing. But back then, I don't know how I was doing. I had no guidance. And so if I would have known then what I know now, I would have been killing it. So I hope y'all enjoyed my What Happened Was. And I will catch y'all ladies next time. Let
1: love feel
4: Hey, y'all. What's up? Um, This is Erica Mo here. And I am here to share with you my part of what had happened was. So what I wanted to touch on uh, was the topic of mental health. Um, It's kind of been in the... Um, entertainment news lately with the passing of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain as well as uh, Kanye dropping his new album where he openly talks about his uh, issues and mental health and dealing with um, being bipolar. Uh, So I kind of wanted to touch bases on that. So my what had happened was was uh, I went through a pretty rough time after uh, my father passed away. I was dealing with um, a lot of Kind of like childhood trauma. And then on top of that, my father passed away. And I just didn't really know how to handle all of it. Um, and I was suppressing a lot of my feelings and I didn't feel comfortable talking to anyone. And I just thought, you know, like I had to handle all these things on my own. That's just kind of the personality I have. Um, I didn't really have like great friends in my life like I do now, uh, to, to kind of like vent about these things or talk about these things. And I, I just wasn't really comfortable talking about it with my family. So I suppressed a lot and, um, I kind of internalized things and, and I started to like act out in, in these just like really random crazy ways. And I got depressed and my family, they, They didn't really know what was going on. They just assumed that everything, you know, was uh, me grieving from my father. And so uh, they decided to take me to see a psychiatrist um, because of the fact that, you know, I wasn't really talking to anybody and I was just like sad and then like mad out of nowhere. And like my mood swings were like crazy. Oh, like I was just going through the shit. Um, So I I saw a couple different psychiatrists and counselors uh, throughout a good amount of time. Um, and there were some that I didn't even talk openly to. There were some that I fully talked to and felt comfortable with. There were some that I just sat in there and I was like, bitch, you ain't getting anything out of me right now because I'm not even really vibing with you. So I'm not going to say anything. Um, but you know, like, it's kind of like you have to find someone who you feel comfortable in talking to. Uh, so it, it, I went to counseling for a while and I wasn't really that serious about it. And I thought, you know, I don't really need this. And then things got really bad for me. I wasn't really, like I said, talking to anybody. I was kind of not taking the counseling serious. Um, uh, My mother was uh, recommended that I start taking prescription drugs to help with my mood swings. And at that point, I had been diagnosed as bipolar uh, with schizophrenic tendencies, which I know it sounds crazy, right? You're like, this bitch suddenly makes sense because she's Looney. um but at that time I really was going through a whole lot and I can completely understand you know why that diagnosis was put forward because I I had a lot going on and I, I didn't have anybody to talk to aside from these doctors um so I was on different types of medications throughout this entire time I've been on tons of different types of kind of mood stabilizers antidepressants all that stuff um and and then And there were like points when I was like, yeah, you know, I'm taking my medication, but I wasn't because I didn't really think I needed it. I was just like, I I don't know. Nothing really seemed to fill the void um, that I was feeling from the loss of my father. Uh, So it got to a really, really dark place. And I actually got to a point where I attempted suicide. And um, luckily, you know, my mother was able to recognize it um, pretty, pretty early on that like you know something was going on in just my appearance and um, so she she was able to get me to the hospital and um, when I woke up that's when like my treatment took a serious turn and I had to start really really focusing on um, healing from my father's death and I had to really start focus on healing from all these other things that I was dealing with. And, uh, I, I was fully finally ready to be open about it and talk about it and, uh, just deal with it. Um, and I hid this, all these things for a very long time from like new friends I would make or like, uh, relationships I would get into, you know, it's not something you want to just tell everyone like, Hey, this, this happened to me. Um, but now I'm at a point where I'm I'm pretty open about talking about it um, because of the fact that, you know, I have a child of my own and I don't ever want her to internalize her feelings like that about anything. I want her to feel like a full, full, comf- like just a full level of comfort with me to be able to talk about those things. And I, I think it's very important that we realize that people who who seem like you know they're going through something and they don't really feel comfortable talking about it it it's up to us as like their friends and their family and whoever we are in their lives to not really push the subject but to just be there and let them know that we're there and to create an environment where they feel safe enough to talk about these things because sooner or later it gets to a point where you really do feel hopeless and you feel like there is no other option than to take your own life or to just end it. I mean, it, it gets it can very quickly escalate to that when you feel like there's nobody there for you. Um, So that's my what had happened was I, I know it got pretty deep there. And, um, you know, I also just want to say if anybody listening ever feels like they need anyone to talk to or, you know, they're kind of dealing with something like this and they don't really know how to handle it or kind of where to turn feel free to reach out to to me or to any one of us at women's wave that's what we're here we're here to build this community of women who are being completely honest and transparent with their past experiences in hopes that you know it resonates with someone or or it opens a a door for a conversation and communication for you to just learn and grow with us um so yeah i hope you were able to take something from that um, I'm at a really good place now. Like I've made amazing friends who are um so, so strong and give me strength and, and understand me. And I have continued with uh, my therapy since, you know, I was younger. I've also taken on alternative methods where I don't necessarily have to take um, medication anymore because that's just something that I chose not to do, especially uh, once I became pregnant. Um So yeah, I'm in a really good place. Uh, I've I'm still dealing with it I don't think I'll ever feel fully be like healed from that trauma of losing my father but I don't feel hopeless anymore it doesn't feel dark anymore it 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 feels actually the exact opposite of that and even when things do get hard and things do get like you know a, a little a little gray um they never really feel like they did in that moment where I was at that that really low place um so yeah keep keep your head up And stay strong and reach out to somebody or on the flip side of that, reach out to somebody who you think might need
0: your help and your heart. So that concludes this episode of What It Happened Was. Uh, We're going to be integrating What It Happened Was as a new segment in our show and on social media. So we'd love to hear from you listeners. Let us know if you're open to sharing your What It Happened Was what was a profound moment in your life where you had to face a situation and what lesson did you learn from that situation? I also want to give a shout out to Gillesque for lending her music to this episode. You can find all of her jams on soundcloud.com slash Gillesque, J-I-L-L-E-S-Q-U-E. Gillesque is also part of the Condina Records Collective. You can find... Her stuff and all of the Condina Records stuff on Bandcamp, Uh, that's Condina, C-O-N-D-I-N-A Records. And, of course, I want to give a shout-out to all of you listeners. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Women's Wave is recorded in the studios of KUCR Riverside. Our theme music was produced by Fabrics Music. Follow us, read our blogs, buy our merch at womenswave.com. You can follow up with us on IG at womenswave, Twitter, and Facebook.com slash wave. Until next month, stay wavy.